The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy, healthy Brandon Day. What's up, man? Are you healthy too? A happy and healthy Brandon Day to you as well, my friend. I don't know what's happening. What do we to what do we owe this weird and unique pleasure? In January, nonetheless, as well. I know. That's really that, that means a cold is really coming down the pike over here. Oh, we're totally screwed. I'm totally boned. The kids back in preschool after winter break. The germs are flying. Fingers are in mouths. Toys are being handed off between grubby little children. They are, man, they are germ Uh pockets. They are so germy. I wonder, maybe someone who's a a longtime parent can, can hit me with a reply on this one. When I started Asher in preschool last year, we were sick probably, what would you say, one out of every three weeks? Right. Yeah, you were sick a lot, man. A lot. Every, one out of every three weeks for like five months in a row. I, I probably had six or seven colds in that spell. Is it? I have to think the quantity goes down slightly the second year because, like, you you must have some measure of. I know that cold viruses and flu viruses they mutate and they're different every year, but there's got to be some like built-in immunity after you just get walloped the first go round. Or, conversely, am I just screwed forever? Which, well, uh, I think normal people build up that immunity. Yeah, me. <laughs> but you've shown the ability to get sick year after year after year. That's so I'm right. not sure that applies to you, which is crazy because the woman that you're married to, you would think that maybe you'd have a little more immunity. Yep. Nope. Nope. She brings stuff home from the hospital, too. I'm getting it from all angles here. It's it's exactly. a, it's rough, man. It's a cesspool at the Bespris household. This is Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris. He is Brandon Marcus. It's Brandon Day. It's not ailment day, apparently. We're okay this time. It is yeah. buy low, sell high day. It is not today in sports betting. This is Fantasy NBA Today, but I would strongly suggest you go listen to that. Today's episode posting probably about a half an hour after this podcast goes up. So get on over, subscribe, and, and make sure you get today's uh, morning show. And please do remember to drop a five-star review on this pod. You guys have been doing an unbelievable job of that lately. Podcast app on your mobile device or on iTunes. Brandon, I want to jump straight into this thing. You teased it on Twitter that you were getting your list ready, and it was like the, it, it was it was like uh, something you'd see somebody post on Facebook. Like, You'll never believe what comes next. Yeah. What co- what comes next, BuzzFeed man? Oh man, I was going, I was going deep into the stats when I was researching yesterday, trying to find out my buy low, sell highs, and uh, I was watching the Clippers game last night, and Zoo finally got the minutes that he deserves, and they walloped the Cavs. It's not saying a lot considering the Lakers played them the night before, but the Clippers, frankly, have not been beating up on teams. And one thing that happened that has not been happening is that Zoo got minutes. And until the one minute and 30 second mark of the third quarter, Montrez Harrell had nine minutes. Yeah, what so, was that all about? Is the, that is it- was the Clippers realizing that Zoo needs to be on the floor. And they had the offense already from Kawhi, who was automatic. And that they did not need that offensive spark from Trez that he brings off the bench. And there's a couple things at play here now where, number one, there's been a lot of Clippers Twitter that's been rumbling about Trez possibly being traded mm. uh, coming up because of two things. Number one, it things are still a little unsettled in terms of where the Clippers want to be big man-wise because you have Zoo and you have a very undersized Trez when you're going to be going up against Jokic and Plumlee and AD and McGee and Howard. So do you have the height? And also, a guy like Covington may fit a little bit better with the Clippers. But more importantly... The Clippers have shown, as there's a gardener somewhere around here, that (laughs) they refuse to pay somebody if they don't deserve it. And they're not going to kill themselves for the cap if they can't. Or they're not going to kill themselves if they see a better path going forward. And Trez is going to get $100 plus from somebody. And Mm. I don't think it's going to be from the Clippers. So maybe they try to get out underneath that contract this season. Personally, I think that he stays. But I do think that this is a thing that's going to continue with him getting more minutes, him being Zoo. The Clippers are now 8-2 and two when Zoo plays 20 or more minutes. So if you can put two and two together, Montrez Harrell is a sell high. And 
you might say, sell high. I mean, he's not even ranked that high. Montrez Harrell has some pretty damn good name recognition, and he's putting up some really good numbers. I mean, when a guy is averaging 22 points per game and seven rebounds per game over the last two, then frankly, he is a sell high. So I'm putting Montrez Harrell on the list. I think he finishes outside the top 100 from this point. You know, what's interesting is that I have I have a lot of follow-up questions to this because this is like the first time anything fantasy-wise interesting has happened related to the Clippers in a while, maybe all season, where you're just like, oh, that was that was new. Uh, Montrez is actually outside the top 100 right now. I'm not sure people yeah. realize that. He's at 107. Exactly. 57% field goal percent on a very high volume, which is obviously one of his big positives. The points, the rebounds are solid. Steals and blocks are decent. He has... Is it the the wildly elevated free throw attempts that have been the big drown this year? Because, I mean, I guess his field goal number is down a tiny bit as well. The other stuff is all not far off from his career norms. It just seems like it, the, the extra free throws, the extra volume actually hasn't been as kind to him as we hoped it would be. Yeah, it's odd because if you look at the numbers from last year, he's actually averaging two and a half more points per game. He's averaging nearly a rebound more per game. The same assists, about the same blocks, um, same steals, very similar as well. The field goal percentage is down point from 61.5 to 57.2, and the free throw percentage isn't great. And last year, he finished at 72. This year, right now, he's, like you said, just about 110. So the field goal percentage is part of the reason, the inflated, uh, the amount of shots he's taken. But I think that those minutes are going to decrease a little bit more hmm. as PG and Kawhi get healthy and they decide to get Zoo in lineups a little bit more. That's just what I'm hoping that the Clippers do. And I do think it's going to happen at some point because Jermichael Green's going to get in the lineup a little bit more as well. So you could see Montrez Harrell. Sure, right now his numbers look good. I mean, if you ask somebody where do you think he's ranked, they would not say outside the top 100. I mean, he's averaging 19 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, a block, 57% shooting. This is a guy that you want to get rid of. Yeah, you really wouldn't expect that at all. The guys that are near him right now in the rankings for the full season, uh, guys like Duncan Robinson, who we've liked, but you know, you wouldn't think that he'd be anywhere near Montrez Harrell on the year. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky, who's been nice, but you'd think he would be behind Montrez. He's actually in front of him by a couple of spots. JJ Mello. Mello, yeah. J.J. Redick is in there. Willie Cauley-Stein, although obviously his arrow is pointed way down right now. Derek Favors, with a couple decent weeks, has launched past him. OG Ananobi still in front. Derek Rose. I mean, I don't know that I would take those guys for Montrez. That's not the point I was getting at here. It's really more just the, you wouldn't expect to hear those names in front of Montrez Harrell right now. So I feel like you could actually look at the leaderboard and go higher in what you're trying to get back. Like, maybe, am I, am I insane to think you should be able to get someone in the 75 range for him? No, I think that's very possible. Why not? I mean, he, it, the numbers are good. Why can't you get a guy uh, that is – I'm trying to look around that 75 range. I'd rather have Brandon Clark right now probably than Montrezl Harrell. Yep. Um, I'd rather have Murray, Deontay Murray, because now that he's yep. getting more minutes and he is basically two steals per game now. Um, yeah, there's there's some guys there. Steven Adams. I'm, there's another guy in, around that area that's one of my buy lows, so I'm not going to say his name. Um, <laughs> there's Pat Beverly. I think you might want to have. Over oh, I love Pat Beverly. You know I love his fantasy. You know I love my off kilter stat guys. Uh, you love that first half yesterday. Nearly I, a triple double in the first half. Yeah, what happened? He stopped doing stuff in the second half. Come on, Pat. I was counting. I was counting on you, Patrick. He was oh, good. Well. Yeah. The, so I, I mean. You, what is the Mitchell upper... Robinson, by the way, that's a guy I think you can get from Montrezl Harrell. Ooh, that's a great sell high combined with a buy low. He's not your buy low guy today, so you didn't give that one away then? Yeah, he's kind of one of my buy lows, but that's fine. But I'm going to say that, yeah. I mean, that's that's a guy that Mitchell Robinson, that's not putting up big numbers right now, but he's at 63 right now based on the rankings I'm looking at, and Trez is yep. down below 100, so... You wouldn't think that they're separated by that much. I wonder who else, what the upper limit is of what you could target. Do you think you could get Will Barton? Maybe. Yeah, I think it's possible. I don't know if you could go any higher than that. The names really change as you clear Will Barton, oddly enough. Then you get into Westbrook, Kevin Love, Shea, Horford, JV, Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon. Those are big name guys who are performing well. I think yeah. that's your upper limit is 61, basically. Like, as soon as you get into the fifth round, you've probably gone too high. Yes, I would agree. If you look at those, number, those guys above, I would absolutely agree. Can we talk a little bit more about Zubats? 
I yes. didn't I didn't I didn't talk about him very much during my game breakdown, which is actually gonna come later in the podcast, because I figured I was gonna get to bug you about this general idea. How many because mm-hmm. he's okay, he's not he wasn't that close to fantasy value in 15, 16 minutes a game. He was like number one sixty something, one seventy something. What what is the threshold for him? Is it like twenty two minutes that gets him over that bar? Because we really haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's about that. And, and what's interesting about Zoo is that he is a first quarter guy. Um, so you'll see him get those points and rebounds and a couple of blocks in the first quarter. And the issue has been that after the first quarter, when he gets subbed out, he probably plays let's say about six or seven minutes before Trez comes in. He's only getting about 10 more minutes the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. But if they're going to continue to do what they did last night, where he played the entire third quarter until the one-minute mark, then that changes things a lot. Because not only does he have the start of the first, he has the start of the third, and he's going to get possibly some of the second and the fourth. And if that's the case, because he hasn't been playing much of the second or the fourth, then you have a guy that's going to give you, when he's getting those minutes, close to three blocks. He's going to get you close to a double double. Good percentages. He shoots field goal. I mean, shoots from the free throw line. Pretty decent for a big guy. Yeah. Good field goal percentage. I mean, he's going to be someone that's going to help you a lot. And it's not quite the time yet. And I still don't think it's the time until either Trez leaves or we see consistently that Zoo's getting those 22, 23 minutes. But someone to keep an eye out on. I have another question on Zubots. Do you think he's ever going to shoot another free throw? Because he hasn't taken one since December 28th. <laughs> Really? Yeah, truly. He hasn't been to the foul line in almost a month. I would have sworn that he went yesterday. I thought he got fouled on a dunk, but I guess not. It's pretty weird. It's actually a really weird stat. That doesn't have any bearing on anything, but that's uh, seven games in a row he actually hasn't taken a free throw. Oh, that's so odd. Yeah, really weird. Because he's right in and around the basket, so you would think that he would get fouled a lot more often than he has been. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's taken over to a game in 17 minutes, so it's not like it's a super low... Uh, rate, it's just all of a sudden it just stopped. And I can't figure out why because everything else has stayed almost exactly the same. Uh, all right, so the target is, the target's 22 minutes or more, roughly. Yeah, I would say that because if you look at, if you look at the game against Sacramento, for example, he played 23, 8 points, 13 rebounds and a block. Played 28 against Utah, 16 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists and a block. So once he starts getting around that area, of 23, 24 minutes, then you start getting into the uh, definitely rosterable area. Yeah, the double, the double digit rebounds is sort of where that kind of begins to crest for him. So keep a that's a very hard watch list guy. I'm honestly, would you? Are there any spots where you'd consider just stashing him, or is it it really is too early for that? In head to head, no. Um, okay. In head to head daily, no. In weekly lineups, I'm okay with that, um, especially and then roto lineups as well. If you have the bench space. And you need rebounds. You need blocks. I mean, blocks don't grow on trees. And Zoo this month is averaging one and a half. He is a guy that when he gets the minutes could be over one easily. So, yeah. Would you rather have for the next four weeks Ivica Zubots or Daniel Gafford on Chicago? I think I'm a Gafford guy there. I'm a Zoo guy. Hmm, Interesting. So relatively similar profiles. Decent at both. Well, here's my issue with Chicago is that we've seen – it's funny because we keep seeing with all these spots, Seku, for example, and Wood, and then you go and you see Chicago, where it's Cornette, and then it's Gafford, and it's Thaddeus Young. We don't know who's going to get the minutes game to game. That's the thing. And right now, we don't know if Zoo's going to get the minutes, and we don't know if Gafford's going to get the minutes. So it really is playing roulette and just guessing. Yeah, a little bit. Staring down our rosters and thinking, hmm, what can I do here? Who can I punt into the stratosphere? And the answer is, mm, shrug, yeah. a verbal shrug. Uh, all right, sweet. Montrez Harrell, sell high. Who is next on the Brandon list? We're going to go with Buddy Heald as a buy low. Um, and there's actually one number that makes this a very, very easy buy low. Is that right now he's ranked 168 in the last month. And if you look at his numbers, they're pretty much the exact same as last year, except percentages. And in last the last week, He's shooting 47%. So his numbers are already starting to go up a little bit. And if you look at Heald, he's ranked about 85, I believe, for the season. And he's someone that finished 38 last year. And like I said, the numbers are pretty similar. It's just he's shooting 41.6% this year. 
versus 45.8 last year. And right now he's shooting 46.7 in the last week. So with Fox starting to get back up to speed, you would hope that healed shots would improve. And because of that, he's an easy buy low. Yeah, that one, I mean, there's a lot of chatter about the Kings not playing as fast and that being one of the big factors here. But I believe, and and I, you can maybe correct me if I'm getting this wrong or even a listener could as well. I believe I saw a stat that most of his shots were still fairly open, that it wasn't that he was taking more contested shots. It's just that things weren't going in because maybe he felt less comfortable or he's irritated by the way the team is playing. But from an actual looks standpoint, the the analytics say that they're not that different. Yeah, and his usage is higher this year than it was in years past. And that a lot has to do that has to do a lot with uh, Fox being out. And now that Fox is back, I think that usage will go down a little bit. And with a little a little less usage, I think that actually helps, buddy. I'm actually on board with this buy low, and I and he's been a buy low for a long stretch of the season. It just feels like there's some, and I don't know if it's going to be like a long sustained thing, but there's going to be a white hot stretch that pops up along the way where he shoots like 60% for two weeks and everything just levels off quickly. And you want to make sure that you have him on your team when when it happens. Question is, you know, people probably spent a, a, a fourth round pick on this dude this year. So I know we're in January. I know that the attachment to draft position isn't quite as long now as it was even four weeks ago, but what is it going to take to get this dude off of somebody else's team? I feel like it's still going to take someone in that probably 60 to 65 range or thereabouts to pry him away. You're not going to be able to get him for an 85 guy. No, most likely not, but you, if you're able to float a guy for, or maybe two players, maybe, that you can do a two-for-one. I think that's the ultimate scenario where I just tried proposing. Um, I tried giving up Jeff Teague, who obviously has not been great numbers-wise, <laughs> and is floating. Yeah, that ain't happening. Uh, yeah, Teague, and I'll tell you the exact thing, because I want, it was Teague and Josh Richardson. Oh, all right, I like Jay Rich. Yeah, but he uh, Richardson's better recently, but I think that's going to go back down when Embiid gets back. And so because of that, that's uh, that type of two for one, I think, could be enticing. I would consider looking at the guys and I'm looking at basketball monsters rankings right now. So they're not perfectly in lockstep with with Yahoo. If that's what folks listening to the show are watching at the moment, I'm looking at guys between 55 and 75 as potential names. And it's not it's not that that's a, the, the rational cutoff. It's just that that's an area I think might get the job done. And you might also find someone in there that you're willing to part with. Uh, Will Barton would be one that I would trade away for Buddy Heald, yep. um, Marcus Morris, but that's not going to get it done. D'Angelo Russell is an interesting one. Maybe you can get out from under that after his next big game. Devontae Graham, who I know everybody loves because the popcorn stuff is crazy, but you get out from that high-volume 38% field goal, things are actually going to improve for your team in ways that you probably didn't see coming. I would trade him for Buddy Heald. Ricky Rubio is a name I'd probably throw. I mean, obviously, these types of guys, you're changing the complexion of your team a little bit because you're giving up a ton in the assist department. But just from an overall value standpoint, those are guys I think he'll probably passes before the season is over. Do you, yeah, yeah. yeah, Wiggins is the guy that you could throw out there in a two-for-one maybe or try a one-for-one then add a somebody that's lower down in a two-for-one. Rozier. Give up Rozier while we're on the Hornets, by the way. Yeah, well, I was on the Hornets. My, my brain hadn't fully left the Hornets yet. Um, and then the other guys in there I don't think would get the job done. Um, you know, Jeremy Lamb, that won't get it done. DeJounte Murray, eh, maybe, probably not. Norman Powell's going to be good here for a week or two. Jared Allen, probably not enough. TJ Warren, Thomas Bryant, probably not enough. I'm just looking at some of those names and thinking, would someone even consider this trade? And the answer for those guys is probably no. But, like, you know, Ricky Rubio has name power. Devontae Graham has name power. Russell, you know, these names, they, there's a shot there. And those, a lot of those guys are near, Devontae Graham, I'll admit, is not at his ceiling because if his field goal percent gets better even by a little bit, he moves up the rankings pretty fast. But uh, D'Angelo Russell, his stuff isn't changing, and he's a huge injury risk. Will Barton, is this is about, I think, as good as it's going to get for him. Uh, Ricky Rubio, same deal. Like, there's... He ain't going up from where he's at right now. This is this is kind of a perfect scenario for a lot of those guys. Whereas with a healed, this is sort of a perfectly awful scenario. He has almost nowhere to go but up. Yeah, yeah. I, I like healed a lot. And the, the funny thing with the Graham is that 
be careful on selling him um, because remember you and I were talking about John Morant and we were saying he's outside the 100. He's definitely a guy that's got the name recognition. He's definitely someone that you could sell and give up. Well, he's really made me seem like a fool because he's been really, really good. Um, so be careful with those types of guys because the correction on field goal percentage could be a little bit easier than you think. And the high usage of a guy who they're going to build around could end up helping somebody out. Dude, how fun are the Grizzlies? They're good. They're really, really good. And they, uh, when they beat the Clippers, everyone was freaking out because it was the front end of a back-to-back. And everyone's saying, what a terrible loss. This team has not won very many games. And now they've won six in a row since. So it's you got JV, you got Clark, you got Jaron Jackson Jr., Morant, Dylan Brooks. Melton, and DeAnthony Melton. Melton. DeAnthony Melton, former USC great. I mean, you have a lot of guys that are studs on that team. That's a good foundation to build around. The only the only reason to dislike the Grizzlies is that they've played more games than a lot of the other teams in the NBA. <laughs> that like they have a games disadvantage the rest of the way. But otherwise, that team is loaded with fantasy assets, and they are improving. They're they're in a dogfight with the Spurs for that eighth seed right now. I don't I don't see a massive collapse coming for the Grizz. They just they might fade a little. It might end up being the Spurs in that eight spot, but the Grizzlies look like they're going to be fighting the whole way through. That's a that's a cool team, man. Congratulations, Memphis. You guys, you guys pulled off a pretty fast rebuild, and you're already competitive. Well done, Grizzlies. Yeah, it's a Memphis team that I don't need to hate too, because man, the Clippers Memphis uh, oh. rivalry for a while <laughs> was not a fun one with uh, Randolph and Gasol. It was not enjoyable. Yeah, Grind City is not a thing anymore. They are. They are pace and space now. They've gone a new direction. Jaron Jackson just bombing away from three. Almost yeah. the only guy that's not shooting threes is Morant. Yeah. He's like the only guy who's not firing from down. To, what does he have? One? One a game? Something like that? And he's been amazing. And what was he? Eight of nine or seven of eight last night or something against Houston? Yeah, shooting 49% for the year from the field. Just a, just a cool near 50% for the Rook. Awesome. Awesome team. Well done, Memphis. Um do you, did I did I, I I took us in a weird direction there? Do you have any more buy lows or sell highs? I, I ru- yeah, ruined I, the show. I'm gonna go quickly on two sell highs together, and then I do have a couple more buy lows. Um, so we'll see what we can get in. Yeah, we'll go lightning round style here. We have discussed this time and time again, but now that they're both healthy and they're both playing, Kyrie and Russell are both sell highs for me. Um, if you can get out underneath a guy like Kyrie Irving, who we don't know what's gonna happen, I will say that being said. Like you have said, they are the number eight seed right now. So it is possible that he keeps playing and they don't decide to shut him down. There'd be no reason for them to shut him down if they're in playoff position. Um, but I still think that he's a guy that's a walking injury. So getting rid of him. And D'Angelo Russell is someone that I really don't think is going to be there in the long run for two reasons. You and I talked about this on Monday. Number one, they're not going to be competitive. There's no reason to play him. You want to protect him if you're either going to trade him or you're going to have him around next year. And number two is that if Steph Curry does come back, his usage is going to go plummeting down so those two guys i am selling you're getting obviously very different players for the two of them um Kyrie, i wouldn't get up get out from underneath unless you're getting a top 40 asset back mm-hmm. um russell would probably be top 80 top 85 yeah i would even adjust uh, my move on those types of guys by the way fully fully agree with you because at this point you just although if you've been high, high if you've been holding Kyrie this whole time you almost need his production for a couple of weeks my hope is you ride these guys for a couple of weeks now with russell you probably kind of missed that. I mean, we, I talked about it a million times at the beginning of December. That was your stretch where you needed to find a way to get out of him for a you know, 65 range guy. I think with Kyrie, I'm expecting a week or two of pretty strong play. So yeah. my goal here is February 1, go send a whole bunch of top 20 guy offers out. That's the goal here. That's, this is, that's my, like, I put a pin in my map. That's where I'm trying to get with Kyrie. I don't know if it's going to happen, and you can obviously make adjustments to your route on that map as the next couple weeks play out. But to me, that's the way you get maximum value out of this, is if you part with him now, like you said, you're probably getting top 40, maybe a little bit better than that, probably a little bit better. But if you can get a couple weeks of him crushing like he did last night, you could probably aim top 20, and someone would probably give you in somebody in that range for him. I mean, like Chris Paul's at 22 right now. You could probably get CP3 for Kyrie in a week of good play. Uh, yeah. Trey Young. Um, Kemba yeah. Walker, Rudy Gobert, all those guys I think I would take over Kyrie eventually. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know if you could get them today, but I bet yeah. you can in two weeks. 
Yeah. Devin Drummond Booker. is a guy that uh, people might be afraid of after that last game. Curious to see how many minutes he gets in the next one. That's true. That one would be one you'd, you'd want to move on a little bit quicker because of his, you know, don't give a bleep thing going on in, in Detroit right now. Vooch is at 21. Um, geez, Clint Capella is at 14. Wow, that's higher than I realized. I mean, you yeah. can target. There's a lot of interesting targets out there that don't have what you'd call standard first-round profile but are playing really well that you might be able to scoop up because Kyrie's number four right now. He's been amazing when he's been on the floor. But, I mean, we heard it was a cortisone shot. Those wear off. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, well, I don't know a ton about the medicine of all this, but I do know that those wear off. That's part of the thing. They last for a couple of weeks, and then it just slowly gets worse, and they're hoping that it doesn't. That's a... Not a great. Ho- hey, can we? Okay, wait a minute. I, I don't want to interrupt your lightning round. So give me, give me your, uh, your, your lightning round by lows, and then I have one more question for you before I let you go. Okay, don't forget the question. Um, Miles Turner and Mitchell Robinson together. I will. I said Miles Turner, I believe, last week. I'm going to say it again. We got word yesterday that Sabonis has that my an injury question. that he's going to play through. That was my question. Was Sabonis? So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so there, yeah, uh, the the fact that he's playing through an injury and that he is questionable and that he could be shut down at any moment means that Miles Turner in the game without Sabonis in the lineup, I think went for something around 25 and 15. So it shows you how good he could be. And he was ranked 26 last year, Miles Turner. He had a double-double last game. It's two double-doubles in a row. Perhaps he's getting a little more confidence and they're realizing that he needs to play more minutes. And so because of that, Miles Turner is a buy low, and the only reason why I say low, despite the fact that he's had two good games in a row, is that he could finish in the top 30, top 35 um, if Sabonis is injured and does sit. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to save my big rant on this for later in the podcast when you don't have to sit through it, but doesn't it seem like a bad idea to have a guy play through an injury when you don't have to? I'm confused also how you can continue to play through it. I've been around basketball, and I know that if you have, for example, some cracks in your shin – you can continue playing because it won't get any worse and that they just they're cracks and they're not going to get worse and they're there. But if you have a foot injury or a knee injury, I'm a little confused on how those can't get worse. And when you're on your feet all the time and running back and forth and you're playing through that much pain, is it really worth it? Or are you better off sitting somebody and perhaps it getting better? And you would think Indiana might be better off sitting Sabonis for a little and letting him rest. But it's a very odd situation. Very odd situation. The only thing I can think, and again, I'm going to save most of my rant on this for later in the show, is if something can't get worse, doesn't that just mean it's already broken? Yeah, and why can it get better? Yeah, I'm not going to get better by bouncing on it a whole bunch of times against the biggest dudes in the world. That yeah, feels- You say it can't get worse. Okay, well, listen, Dan gets sick a lot. We know it can't, probably can't get worse. <laughs> but can it get better by him taking care of his health and drinking lots of water and not being near children all the time yeah there are steps you can take to improve your situation in life exactly oh yeah that was yeah that was my question that felt real weird and i'm totally with you on that i have miles turner in a couple of spots and uh yeah he he looks prime for an interesting run right now because sabonis really did not look good in their last ball game that was like was that that was one of his worst field goal percent games of the year I don't think that's a coincidence. He's still got, I think, a double-double somehow. He did. Yeah. But he's a giant. Still. Well, he's a and giant also, dude. Go ahead. He's a giant dude. That's how you end up with a double-double. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and Mitchell Robinson, who's right next to him, um, I think that he's just getting a little too underrated at this point in terms of his numbers. He's still sitting at 63, which is crazy considering he hasn't been good. No, he hasn't. He really has not been good at all, and it's because his field goal percentage is 71%. He's averaging nearly two blocks a game. He's still averaging 10 and 7. He's not a guy I love, by the way. I will say that. I did not like him last year, and then finally he turned it around in about the second half after the All-Star break. And I think it's very possible he does the same here. Um, And at this point, I think you can get him for so little. That's why I think he's a buy low. Yeah, totally agree with that one. I I was doing the uh, the real big three pod with Jonas and, and Bogman yesterday, and right in the middle of the show, I thought, Hmm, my turn's not coming up for like four minutes here. I'm going to go propose a trade for Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson mid-pod because we were talking about Mitchell, and I was like, geez, i got to get my hands on this guy. 
problem is that everybody in my damn leagues listens to the podcasts that I'm on, so that sort of <laughs> ruins the, the, the end game here. But I'm totally with you on this one. He's been horrible lately. People are going to be frustrated with him. There's almost no way they think he's still inside the top 65, but he is because he's a medium volume, like 75% shooter from the field. He's He is a large positive impact guy in two statistical categories playing on a bad toe. That's another reason to, to look at upside with him. So I would take guys probably two rounds back of that and start lobbing them that direction um, and, and go all the way up to basically where he is right now in terms yep. of things that I would offer for him. There's almost nobody behind Mitchell Robinson that I would rather have than Mitchell Robinson. Almost no one. Maybe Buddy Heald. Maybe. Behind him, uh, yeah. I think I'd rather have. I mean, right now, season long, there are a couple of guys that are there, and one of the guys, De'Aaron Fox, I think I'd rather have um, than Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, I mean, even that one's close for me. I know, which makes me a crazy person, but yeah, you're crazy. Fox and Morant are two guys I'd rather have over him. I think they just they can. Well, that's also head to head. I think he wins you. Uh, sure, he wins you blocks, but those other guys I think will win you more categories. Um, but be careful, by the way, for those of you that have SGA and Fox and they're finally producing, not sure now is the time to sell high. Um, they're getting their usage. They're getting their health. SGA has, I think, now turned the corner, which you and I were talking about a couple weeks ago. We're like, he's got the potential. He's so long. Why can't he get those steals? Why can't he get those blocks? Why is he getting more rebounds? And then he gets a triple double. So, <laughs> and a big one, too. Not yeah, a, a, a classic 2020-10 triple double. Yeah, that was not a quiet triple double. I would I would sell high, but not based on his season-long ranking, basically, is the, the caveat I'd put there. Like, he's at 58. Shea, we're talking about now, is 58 in 9-cat on the year, or thereabouts. But after that 2020-10 game, if, if I lobbed him out there and somebody was willing to give me someone in the top 35, I would do it. Yeah, that's fair. Like I, you could go get Bradley Beal, who's a question mark, I guess. But you could go get Bradley Beal, who's inside the top 35 for Shea. I would do it today. Yeah, moment. I don't think they would do that. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a, an option for La- sure. Lowry, Booker, Siakam, all the guys we were talking about before in that in that 25 to 35 range. One more it. before we go, because I know this pod's starting to run long. What would you acquire or what would you give up to acquire Rashawn Holmes right now? Because I know there are people that don't have Holmes that want Holmes. And like you and I have always talked about, injury... When a guy is hurt, that's when you want to grab him. Yeah, that is when you want to grab him. It's right back into that same area we were talking about before. I think people are are very nervous that he's going to lose his job for the rest of the year. So mm-hmm. start low. Start start in that 80 range and work your way up. I wouldn't go any higher than about 60 because he is a little bit of an indefinite tag guy, and that scares me. But, yeah. I mean, if you could get him for it, I, mean, we, we, I already talked about Terry Rozier as someone that I would sell for a lot of things. Uh, Brandon Clark in that same range, Jared Allen, yeah. Thomas D'Angelo Bryant, Russell. D'Lo. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of guys I would get. I mean, listen, Rashawn Holmes didn't start playing poorly. He just got hurt. He's still number 24 by averages in nine cat on the year. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, if the assumption here is that he's back in, in three weeks, let's just assume that that's the number we're going on, which maybe it's lower. I know they said two to three and it was a few days ago that that happened. So Maybe it's sooner than that, but let's let's game plan for the longer stretch. That still leaves you, what is three weeks from now? February 6th, 7th, somewhere in that neck of the words? I mean, that's still two months left of the season at that point. Mm-hmm. People feel like in two or three weeks, the season's almost over. There's, there's a lot left. There's a third of the season left at that point. Yeah, and, I, I would go get him. And the one benefit is, and I'm looking it up as I'm talking, is that you have an all-star break. And that is February 16th. So even if he does miss those couple of weeks, the all-star break allows a guy. We always see with injuries that people come back after the all-star break. And the reason why that is, is that sure, they could come back maybe a week before. But the team say, why rush it? Why bring him back the week before the all-star break? Let's give him that extra week. So I would target. I think Holmes comes back after the all-star break is my guess because the evaluation is two to three weeks or three to four weeks, whatever it is. That's the reevaluation thing. Usually it's a couple more weeks after that. So I would say that he comes back after the all-star break. And if you're competitive and you're top four, top five, even top six, and you can afford the next couple of weeks to be without him, it's a good guy to grab. That's a game changer that you could get for pennies right now. That's yeah. a that's a huge deal. Yeah, well, well pointed. Ooh, Brandon Day. You had a you had a lot in the hopper for this one. I told you, man, it was a fire Brandon Day. I was I, <laughs> listen, there are teases that sometimes don't live up to what the expectations are 
and this one lived up to them and went beyond. Yeah, if we don't, if we do say so ourselves, uh, Brandon B D Marcus on Twitter, my man, well done, good sir. I'll talk to you in a few days. Talk to you soon, bud. And that was, of course, the great Brandon Marcus with a little buy low, a little sell high. B D Marcus on Twitter. I will talk to him for our Monday weekly premium show. You, well, you should get our premium subscription, our game time premium sub here at Hoopball, so you can join us for that one. Or if you want to just keep listening to Fantasy NBA Today, I certainly wouldn't turn you against that decision. You can do both. Those of you that want to listen to just Fantasy NBA Today and nothing else, you'll hear from Brandon again hopefully next Wednesday when we dive into a few more interesting players. Quick recap of what went on on Tuesday night, a little preview of a rather large Wednesday with, of course, the prelude here that the gambling thoughts should you desire those are available on our sister podcast now today in sports betting is the name of the show today in sports betting is the name of the show i say go add it to your edition it's monday through friday just like fantasy nba today the likes of josh millman neil rochelani ira silver devin ellington breaking down the daily card fantasy basketball be darned it's time to make some money on the gambling front so you're not going to get as many i mean i'll throw in some thoughts from time to time when they strike me when they're particularly strong but for the most part if you want that betting stuff you got to head on over and check out that new podcast and when you do when you tail these guys when you learn enough and then you're betting with them you better damn do it with our buddies at mybookie.ag you better just type it in m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e dot a g it's that easy use the promo code the word today which actually makes sense for a number of our shows here at hoopball such as fantasy nba today today in sports betting and today is the promo code to get a 50 percent deposit match over there at my bookie when you open up your account and make your first deposit do it now my bookie bet win get paid post haste guys we need this from you Get on board. Let's win some money together. We need it. We want it. You're going to be happy about it. It's a lot of good reasons to do it. But remember, bet responsibly. Huh? Right? Have we all agreed that that's the reasonable thing to do? We are going to be working our way towards funds slowly but surely. We climb the mountain that way. This is not a quick fix. There will be ups, there will be downs. It's all about managing bankroll. Okay? MyBookie.ag promo code today. Tuesday. Wasn't a particularly active day, I suppose. A couple of things that we were monitoring and and things didn't change very much. But I, I definitely want to go over a few notes. Utah beat up on Brooklyn on the road. Covered that spread. A... Uh, Medium-sized road number. Joe Ingles has just been fantastic. We still aren't hearing anything on Mike Conley, which I thought was really the point worth making. When they bring him back in, they got to do it soon. I know, okay, so maybe I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. There's still three months left in the NBA season, almost. And it doesn't take that long to integrate somebody. But they're going to want to get him back here pretty quickly, kind of figure out where he's going to fit. Because this unit for Utah has been very, very good. They haven't had the world's toughest schedule of late. I will give them a little bit of a note there, but they've won 10 games in a row. You have to be playing pretty well to win 10 games in a row. The only sad, they're thinking, like, how am I not gaining? Lakers have won nine of their last 10. And, you know, for the Jazz, this is about taking advantage of a couple of opportunities. They caught the Clippers when I believe they were resting someone, or maybe that was the game Paul George went down. That was the second game of their winning streak. They beat the Blazers to start it. Then they had Clippers, which is a good team. Pistons, no. Bulls, no. Magic, no. Pels, we're playing better at that point. Knicks, no. Hornets, no. Wizards, no. Nets, meh. Pels again. Kings. Pacers, that's a better team. Then things get a little bit tougher at that point. So they've still got a few more. This is, by all accounts, the creamy portion of the Jazz schedule, and they're taking advantage of it. So that's well done. But you're going to see a little bit of a setback here. I wonder if it doesn't come almost in conjunction with when Conley comes back. And everybody's going to be like, oh, they're worse with him. Because they're playing, you know, the Mavs, the Pacers, and whatever other team I just glazed over as I was flipping through web pages. When suddenly they're going to go 
head-to-head with teams 10 games over 500 instead of teams 10 games under. Strange to schedule, guys. So pay attention to that stuff. But he'll be back soon. I think this is the time if you were going to trade for him, you lob something out there because there really haven't been any updates. I can't imagine he's going to miss more than about maybe another one to two weeks. He's, out, he's been out for almost a month now. We'll at least get an update soon, I would think. Kyrie Irving was great, and everybody else was pretty bad on Brooklyn. Actually, DeAndre Jordan had a better game. He's been relatively quiet for the most part. Jared Allen was getting absolutely crushed by Rudy Gobert in this one, so they had to go beefier at the center spot. I've done my rants on these guys enough. You know where I stand. I am low on Spencer Dinwiddie. I am low on Karis LeVert. I like Jared Allen, even in a bad game here. And obviously Kyrie Irving is outstanding, but you're looking for a window here of big-time production when you could maybe move him for another first or a second rounder or something like that. I mean, if he plays well for a couple of weeks here, you could get a pretty good return from him. Everyone's going to know that there's the injury stuff hanging over his head, but... You can you'll you'll parlay that. Hey, look, yeah, there's injury prone stuff, but you know, if he's rolling a top five clip the way he has been, you'll be able to get something pretty good for it. Torian Prince has been not great either. The Nets the Nets are not a good fantasy team. They're they're ugh, there's a dearth. Torian Prince, 159 on the year. Dinwiddie, 122, and that's after their really hot start. Levert, 336. I know he's been hurt for a lot of the year. His his percentages are not good, guys. This is not an anomaly. Free go, field goal percent low, free throw percent low. The other stuff needs to be crazy high to make up for it, and it's not. I got a little John Mulaney in me there. Phoenix lost at Atlanta. Not a great look for the Suns. Devin Booker ejected late in the fourth quarter of this game with 39. Mikael Bridges was good, but that doesn't seem to last for more than a game or two. DeAndre Ayton got his minutes back up into the low 30s. That's a good sign. So Aaron Baines took a hit, started, but only played 14 minutes. Kelly Oubre had a rare, terrible game and fouled out, but he'll bounce back. And then Ricky Rubio missed it. I mean, that's really the thing. Rubio is one of those guys where, you know, we always talk about how sometimes you back a team that's down a superstar because the other guys play better. Phoenix has shown themselves to be pretty horrible when Ricky Rubio does not play. Pretty awful. I mean, they're not a good team altogether, but when he sits, they're horrendous. And he's um, he went home for the birth of a child, so hopefully he'll be back with the team in time for their next one. We'll see. I mean, maybe one, two games. you no reason to rush in a, in a critical family moment like that. But they certainly need him. They had 20 assists, 11 turnovers, which isn't terrible by all accounts. But there's just not that one guy that they can rely upon to get people the ball where they need it. Booker's a scorer, and he did so very well in this game. But he's not a great passer. Meanwhile, Kevin Herter has really cranked things up here lately. Once he came back from that re-aggravation of the shoulder thing, he's just been he's been awesome. He's carved out a spot, and they've used him nicely as this weird little semi-sidekick point guard style. Over the last month, he's averaging four assists a game. That's a big deal. Almost three three-pointers, five, 15, 5, and 4 with over a steal and half a block even. Can't imagine that number holds. That'll probably come down, but he's sitting inside the top 85 and that feels like a relatively sustainable spot given the fact that he has all this different responsibility that he wasn't asked to do last year. Well, so that team now relatively easy to handicap as far as fantasy goes. You got three useful guys and everybody else is mostly junk. And then Alex Len is fringy big man type stuff, but didn't play anyway. The Bucks blew out the Knicks and it only took them half a ball game to do it. Giannis had 37 points in 21 minutes. This was a firm butt kicking. Everybody else really didn't survive on the Milwaukee side because they just didn't get to play long enough, and Giannis did it all himself. That's a rough blowout win for everybody else. Alfred Payton got ejected, so Alfred Watch continues in the ugly direction. Mitchell Robinson at 18 minutes did get three defensive stats but missed three free throws, and that was a down one. I mean, I really think you could trade for him right now. I think you get him for pennies. Just keep lobbing low ball offers out there, and eventually somebody's going to get annoyed and give it to you. Give them to you. 
Julius Randle actually had a good ball game in this one somehow. He has sort of rehabilitated his value, but not completely. He is in the 170 range for the year now, and he's hovering in these in like the 60 to 80 range over the last month, which is actually pretty good. He's made 80% of his free throws, 45% of his shots, averaged 23 and 11 with a steal in that in that range. I really wanted that field goal percent to be a thing. And of course, he got better as soon as I traded him away because that's how it works. When you trade somebody at their lowest point, someone else is willing to take the risk. And hopefully, and sometimes they get rewarded. Maybe it's you. P.J. Tucker breaking records for low usage took one shot in 38 minutes. Did have three assists, so his usage was buttressed by that number. But four was the usage rate in this ballgame for him. I still like him. I don't care what anybody says. He goes through these stretches. He, he sort of bows before Ben McLemore and Eric Gordon. They all get to eat first. You can, you can bet that it's somewhere behind the scenes. Someone's going, we got to figure out how to get this guy open in the corner again. And, of course, when teams challenge Harden to just do it himself, that also hurts the guys around him that aren't as aggressive as a guy like Gordon or Westbrook if he wasn't sitting this one out. Even Clickapel only got seven shots in this game. It's a bad distribution for Houston. Harden took 37 shots, made 35% of them. It, I know he had 41, 6, and 6. This is not a good 41 for him. I know it's a weird thing to say, but that's a bad way to get there. And they lost. That's the end That's the end game of all this. They lost. Daniel House, by the way, is a drop. I'm so sad for my guy. Meanwhile, on the Memphis side, just fantasy numbers coming out of their ears in this ballgame. John Morant was fantastic. Dylan Brooks was good again. He runs hot and cold, man. When he has these hot stretches, he pushes himself back towards the edge of the top 100, but he's number 150 overall, so you get the idea there. Jaron Jackson was uh, slowed. He fouled out in 30 minutes this ballgame, but still had five defensive stats. DeAnthony Melton did get 26 minutes in this ballgame. I pray to the good Lord that that's the start of something for him because if he got 26 minutes every day, he would be a must-own, must-start, must-everything guy. Like, zero question he would be in every lineup with that level of minutes played because he'd probably get you a couple of steals most games in addition to the other good stuff that he piled up in this one. As it stands, over the last two weeks, he's averaging only 21 minutes a game, and he's inside the top 100 in that stretch of time, largely because of defensive stats and some assists. He's good, man. That kid is good. You, ah, Man, it, you have a decision to make. You have a decision to make on this one. Can you carve out a spot on your roster to just see how this thing plays out? The upside is so crazy high He's not going to get to 30 minutes. It's not happening. There's just too many things standing in his way. But 25 feels eminently doable, given the guys that would have to take a small hit. And in this one, some of it was because Jay Crowder didn't play. So that allowed other guys to shift into his spot on the floor. And the Anthony Melton was able to get a few more minutes at shooting guard. So there's no telling whether or not that's actually going to stick. But this team isn't really worse without Jay Crowder on the floor. I don't know that they're better. I don't think it's an addition by subtraction thing. But there's a little bit of that just because of how good Brandon Clark, DeAnthony Melton, some of these guys that soak up a few of those extra minutes, how good those young guys actually are. JV was good again. I mean, it was quietly really good in this game. He didn't have one of his wildebeest mega dunk games. Brandon Clark was solid. But yeah, I mean, if this, I don't know what indicators they need to just pile minutes onto the Anthony Melton. I hope that this is one of them. He was great. He was he was on Harden for stretches in this game. I'm attempting to add him in a couple of spots. I'm trying to figure out where I can wedge DeAnthony Melton's low minute carcass onto my teams and and let this thing roll out. Uh, point of reference. Someone like a DeLon Wright, I think you could part with. Not a di not that dissimilar a stat set, actually, but Melton a little bit more exciting these days. Um, Damian Lee, you probably stick with him. Omari Spellman, you probably stick with him. Alex Len, you obviously go. D'Anthony Melton. Just thinking of guys that are sort of fringy that are getting talked about right now. I I'm leaning Warriors in that battle just because of opportunity.
Cleveland, Kevin Love rested. Larry Nance Jr. made his return with a minutes cap and was decidedly low usage, which is always kind of his M.O., but you can tell whether or not he's healthy by whether or not he's getting rebounds and steals. And I don't want to really put a ton of pressure on him in his first game back, but he looked okay. You know, it wasn't like a world-beater game, but it was pretty good. He got some assists. He's a good passing big man. Is this some kind of indicator of maybe where they would head if Kevin Love got traded. Personally, I would rather see Tristan Thompson get moved. Because then, even if Kevin Love starts at center, every basically every backup minute at center goes to Larry Nance Jr. And the minutes that Kevin Love logs at power forward, the minutes those center minutes go to Larry Nance as well. So not only is it every minute then that Love was off the floor, which is probably going to be like 18 as they try not to play him out in most of these games, but if he's at power forward for 6 to 10 minutes a game, whatever that happens to be, and they're playing beside one another, that's another 6 to 10 for Larry Nance. So the difference there is if Love is traded, Tristan Thompson is probably still their starting center, horrendous though he may be, and there isn't really an opportunity for he and Nance to play side-by-side the way that he could, Larry, I mean, with Kevin Love. So that's why, I mean, there's a world potentially where both of those guys get moved, and then Larry is is an obvious play. As it stands right now, he's a stash. He's a luxury stash. And I, I tried to plop him in a couple of spots also, again, looking for teams where I have somebody I could dump off. And you could... You could start him in an unlimited games format in the interim and get a little something, but it won't be much. Colin Sexton was a little bit better in this ball game, but nobody cared because all he does is shoot and score. And then everything else, you know, we're constantly watching Darius Garland, who has taken over the general point guard job for this team, and that's moved his value in a really in a nice positive direction. That's that's a big that's a big shift for him. He probably belongs on fantasy teams at this point. He's been good enough lately. 243 on the season doesn't really tell the story. Even 120 over the last month doesn't tell the story. Over the last two weeks, his assists are up and over five, and hence his value has climbed inside the top 100. Where I don't know is can the better shooting lately, can that stick longer term? Does it matter if he's hitting threes and getting assists and actually getting a few steals mixed in? So he feels like a guy that should probably be on teams. He feels like a guy the Cavs want to give minutes to. And at this point, he's probably owned in your leagues anyway. For the Clippers, you know me. I I could spend half a show just talking about Patrick Beverly, but I don't know that there's a a big point to that because this team is very simple to handicap in a fantasy standpoint. The only question is, well, we saw Maury Vitsa Zubats in this game, perhaps because Cleveland has a little bit more size. Montrezl Harrell, it sounds like he's been uh, kind of wiped out lately. And, you know, if Zubats ever got himself a permanent, like, actual starter's role, not just starter as a placeholder, he would obviously be a must-add guy. But I don't think that you look too deep into this one other than Clippers probably feel like they can clobber the Cavs, and you can because they're Cleveland and they didn't even have Kevin Love. And they were going to sort of sleepwalk their way into it if they had to. And, of course, we went into some detail at the beginning of the show on the, the Montrez Zoo thing, so you can hearken back to all of that marvelous analysis from our buddy Brandon as you gauge whether or not you want to make a move on anything quickly. And then the Mavericks, who we've basically, at this point, I think we're settled. Maxi Kleba's streamer, while Kristaps Porzingis is out. Dwight Powell has been very, very good for the better part of a month and a half now. And he's basically rectified his slow start to the year with numbers that sit more or less right inside the top 100 for that five to six week range. And Luca, of course. And then when Kristaps comes back, whenever the hell that turns out to be, then you bump Kleba back to the bench and uh, you figure he probably ends up getting dropped. Easy enough. For the Warriors... I think we have a good feel for it. Now, obviously, this was maybe not the best game to to figure out exactly where they go with this stuff. But what this game did remind us of, number one, they're spoon-feeding Omari Spellman a ton of minutes, which is cool. Same deal Alex Burks, uh, Alec Burks, excuse me. 
And then Glenn Robinson the third getting a ton of minutes, but you, you generally can't trust him on a night-to-night basis. Willie Cauley-Stein is a drop at this point. He's, he's minutes in the teens off the bench. Not trustworthy. D'Angelo Russell, when it gets ugly, it gets real ugly. I'm very much in favor of moving him as soon as you can. Same deal, Draymond Green. I know that every once in a while he has a, a decent enough game as well, but Draymond is sitting around the top 90. If you can get anything in that range back for him, I think you do it. And D'Angelo Russell, when he's on the floor is at around 65 and slight well falling slightly. I don't know that this ball game has been adjusted into the the calculator that I'm using here. Uh so 65 to to 80 range, you could you know, I feel like you could get something in that range for him because there is a lot of name value and he scores a lot of points, which is what people are looking at. Even though you should be looking at the fact that he's not getting any steals or blocks and he's shooting bad percentages in both field goal and free throw percent. Ah, all right, free throws like more or less neutral, but you're hoping for a positive from your scoring leading point guard on your team. Turning the page, turning the page to Wednesday. It's a big one, 10-game card, and here's what we're looking for on the fantasy standpoint. Detroit is at Boston. Detroit is all kinds of storylines right now. Who's playing and how much? Number one, Sekou Dumbuya. Does Andre Drummond give a bleep about this ball game? Does that mean Christian Wood doesn't get to play, or is he going to get minutes now, and they're just going to go easy on Drummond until they trade him? Is Luke Kennard dead? We got a report that he might just be out till the All-Star break. Sometime yesterday in the afternoon, I think that swept through on the Twitter sphere. So does that mean that Bruce Brown is your wing point guard type with the starting unit? He's been very good lately. Derrick Rose is going to have a ton of opportunity. What about Markeith Morris? His minutes did go up in his second game back. Are they going to go up again? And who's going to lose those minutes? If you're picking who you're starting for this ballgame, you're starting Andre Drummond and Derrick Rose. That feels like a pretty straightforward one. I'm fine with you not starting anyone else. I actually prefer Bruce Brown over Dumbuya for a one-game sample size. Rest of season, you probably lean Dumbuya. But it's not to me. It's not. It's not a clear cut. There are going to be speed bumps for young guys along the way. But they're giving them a lot of minutes. Same deal with Bruce right now. So the, both of those guys, I think you could potentially start and just, you know, this is not going to be an easy game against Boston. You have to hope that things get a little open. Maybe Boston takes it lightly. They open up a lead, then things loosen up a tiny bit. But be forewarned. There, there are bumps and bruises with these young guys. Brooklyn at Philadelphia, not a whole lot to pay attention to here. I've made my position on the Nets extraordinarily clear. San Antonio, Miami. I still like Duncan Robinson. I don't care what anybody says. If you need three-pointers, obviously, if your team is sitting pretty there or you're punting it, then that's a different story altogether. For the Spurs, same story as usual. LaMarcus, DeMar, DeJounte. You got to have that bonus syllable if you want to get on my Spurs fantasy roster, which means, sorry, Derek White, you're out. I wish they'd play Rudy Gay more. He has a really fantasy friendly game, and he's just, there's no way he's going to play enough minutes to be the fantasy guy we want him to be. But, like, in the last couple of games, he's been solid. There's a few good ones mixed in there. It's just, you know, we're looking at 22 minutes a game. It's not going to be a thing. Washington, Chicago, this is all about minutes. If you're streaming Jordan McRae, I think you probably can do it for one more game just to see what happens. It's a little bit of a roll of the dice, but whatever. And then Thomas Bryant, is he going to play enough to get back on your roster? You might wait one more, but if you really want to do it, you probably can. Davis Bertans is a start. Bradley Beal's a start, provided he's definitely in there. And then guys like Ish Smith are, are to me, I was going to call him questionable, but that makes me, that, I think that gives the wrong impression that there's some kind of injury going on. He is a questionable start for me, for my fantasy team. Isaiah Thomas is a drop. Troy Brown is kind of a questionable start. There's there's a lot in flux right now. I, I You obviously start Bradley Beal if he's going. Davis Bertans is an obvious start if he's going. No, none of the other guys on that team is a guy that I'm saying you absolutely positively have to get him into your lineup right now. You could very well, if you're in a if you're in a games cap format or a weekly format or whatever. Weekly, I don't think they're playing very much this week. So if you're in a game cap format, you could very easily leave all of those other guys on your bench and just see what happens for a couple of games and see whose minutes are trending what direction. And then you'll have an idea. 
It's not the worst idea in the world. Just pretend that you're, those guys are injured or something. Unlimited games, obviously, you know, you'd flip them all out there and you'd, you'd trend it that way, but... Chicago, I'm a big fan of Daniel Gafford. I mentioned it on a podcast, I think, two days ago. His blocks upside is hard to locate. I've got him in one or two spots, and I'll start him. Happily, I'll start him. Against Washington, things could get crazy. He only needs about 20 minutes to be fantasy successful. There's a little bit of a Nerlens Noel thing going on there with Gafford's fantasy game. Good guy to own. Throw him on your team. And then, honestly... You know, I don't know what the future holds for this young man. They really like him. He's in a log jam, but who knows? Maybe Wendell Carter Jr. takes longer to come back. Indiana. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, we got to pause and talk about this one for a second. I don't want to take too long, though. Demonis Sabonis, there was a a quote from Nate McMillan yesterday saying that he's just going to have to play through the pain because the doctor said it wasn't going to get any worse. That seems unreasonable. I know I'm not the medical expert here. So obviously some, you know, orthopedist, I would I would imagine, looked at it and said, well, you know, this is what it is. Like, it's not going to get better without, they probably told him it's not going to get better without surgery or long-term rest. And neither one of those is really an option if the alternative is on the table. And so when they were like, well, can he play, Doc? Can I play? And they were just like, I guess. It's probably how that went. Like, I guess, you know, like, what's done is done kind of thing. That's the way I interpreted that news. And maybe I'm wrong, but when I hear you're not going to make it worse, that means it's already busted, right? That doesn't mean that it's hanging on by a thread. Sprains, if you play on them, they're probably going to get a little bit worse. Hyperextensions, soreness, tendonitis, all that stuff, those things get worse if you try to do stuff with them or you blow out some other part of your body compensating. I don't like it at all. If I have Demonis Sabonis, the next time he puts up a big line, I'm trying to move him. Because I got a bad feeling that something else is going to pop while he's not putting pressure on that knee. It'll probably be in the other leg. That worries me a lot. I don't like that. Well, I mean, I have Miles Turner in a few places, so from that standpoint, it sounds great. But for Demonis Sabonis owners, this is a, a nerve-wracking moment. There's a little quote in passing, too, but we've been down this road enough with enough guys to know that Oh, he's just going to play on a sore knee. That doesn't usually end great. This is a good team. I don't know why they feel like they need to run him out there. Plus, it's a very winnable game even without him. Minnesota. Maybe we get Carl Anthony Towns back. Who knows? Oh, who knows what the magical future holds? I like Jared Culver these days. I know that there's percentage issues mixed in, but his upside is insane, so I'm... Unlimited formats, obviously, I'm throwing him out there. Games cap, I'm going to keep him on my bench, but I just there's too much there to leave on the wire. And then everybody else, you know, I think you're you're you've dropped Shabazz Napier, you've benched Jeff Teague, or potentially even dropped him. And then Wiggins, you're starting and you're hoping that he does stuff like he did earlier in the year. Toronto, you're just going with the four main guys right now, which is uh, oh well, I guess we should mention. It sounds like Marcus Soul is going to play in this game. I doubt he's going to see his mid 30s in minutes that he was getting before the injury. But it's gonna put a punch. It's gonna put a punch into Serge Ibaka's numbers lately. If not this game, then by the next one. So keep an eye on that. If you can move Serge, you should do so. If you can pick up Gasol, you should do so. I wouldn't start him for this ball game. Even though maybe he gets twenty minutes, something like that. That's that's not enough with the low usage stuff he was doing before he got hurt. Once he gets revved up, yeah, obviously you start him, and then you're looking at Gasol, Lowry. Freddie Van Vliet, when he's healthy, um, until he's healthy, it's Norman Powell. Pascal Siakam is obviously in there. And then Serge is the one that is going to end up right on the fringe. For this ball game, Serge is still good. Siakam, Lowry, Norman Powell, because I don't believe that uh, Van Vliet is back yet. Haven't heard anything to the contrary on that one, although apparently he's not that far away. And then we'll, you know, make our adjustments over time. Shea Gilgis-Alexander gets to play, which is cool, because he's been amazing. And there's nothing fantasy-wise to talk about there, other than just that the Thunder are pretty good. Charlotte, don't care. Miles Bridges turned back into a pumpkin. Denver, also don't care. It's just the starters, regardless of who they are. Portland, don't care. Houston, I guess we can watch P.J. Tucker again, see if he'll uh, take a shot. Will P.J. shoot? Yes or no? That'd be a Vegas prop bet in this ballgame. 
Dallas-Sacramento. This is the second half of the back-to-back for the Mavs, although it's a quick one, just a shot up I-80. Interstate 80, I should say. I wouldn't make too many adjustments here. Sacramento, Marvin Bagley, I would assume his minutes continue to slowly ramp themselves up. Nemanja Bielitsa, he's just rolling. Orlando, don't care. Lakers, Anthony Davis watch is pretty much the only thing fantasy-wise there. Thank you to those of you that have reached out to become blurb shift guys here at HoopBall. We are continuing to take contributors. It is, it's more of a traineeship, but you got to know how to write already, okay? This is for those of you that have some writing chops and want to learn how to be a fantasy writer. You want to be a fantasy analyst. So it's basically a trainee. You want to do a blurb, ship, uh, blurb shift, I should say, and then get upgraded. You have an article to go with it. Maybe you get on some pods. Lots of cool stuff. Basically... If you want to be a part of our mess here at HoopBall, hit me up. Our sales division has officially launched, which is super exciting. But if you want to be a part of that, we can add you into the mix. You'll just get started a little later than everybody else. Not a big deal. That is an opportunity to make some money. That's the sales side of things. The other stuff is, you know, how to be a fantasy analyst as we continue to work on growing the site. You can bug me on Twitter at Dan Bespris with those requests. You can also send them to Team HoopBall at hoop-ball.com. Please drop a five-star review on the podcast. The numbers just keep going up. You guys keep appearing out of the woodwork. So please keep doing that. I love you for it. iTunes or the podcast app on your mobile device. If you want to write something nice, awesome. I was recently told that my voice puts children to sleep, which I guess I'm going to take as a compliment. Uh, So if you want to say something nice like that, I should start reading them on air. I'll tell you what, I'm going to start tomorrow if I can remember reading some of the nice reviews on air. So if you want to go through, maybe you've even already rated the show and you want to go back and you want to write something, go ahead and do that. And I'll read it on the podcast over the next, I don't know, there's 400 damn reviews. So it's going to take a bit, but I'll get there. Everybody, thanks for doing that so far. Uh, Again, check out Today in Sports Betting. I cannot express enough how excited I am for our brand new show starting this week. It's so good. I'm, I'm listening to it if in full. It's one of the very few shows we have here where I listen start to finish. I mean, other than my own, I suppose. So join us. Join us, you maniacs in the sports betting sphere. It's go time. I am Dan Vespers. Big thank you to Brandon Marcus. Tomorrow, we're going to have Coach on the show. That's fun. We haven't talked to Coach in a while. And then Friday, we'll wrap up the week. Get you set for the weekend here on Fantasy NBA Today. Have a marvelous Wednesday. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.